0: Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the BMCast, not a podcast that claims that men showing any level of tenderness or intimacy towards each other in a hot tub is inappropriate to put into a children's card game, yet will thirst over Earthbind as they unroll their anime titty playmat and are totally okay with cards like Reversal of Fortune, why do you ask, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the body dropper herself, Emma. How are you doing today?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. I've um, been really busy with Streets of New Capella release, like covering the set, you know how it is in content, so it's just been very mm-hmm. full on. But there's light at the end of the tunnel now, so I can finally relax. But over on mm. TCG Player this week, I look back at the first Commander Legends, because Commander Legends 2 is out soon, right? Mm. Yep. Yep, so what I do is I look at the most valuable cards and what we, you know, what I'd like to see in the next set because obviously it's a d and set, big fan of d yeah. so it's really cool just to gush over the lore a little bit and see what's going to happen. Also, mm-hmm. I wrote an opinion piece on how Modern Horizons is making modern extremely unaffordable, essentially financially gatekeeping people out of the format. Um, it's been something I've been wanting to write for a little while, but with like New Capenna coming out, that had to take priority, but you can yeah. check those out on TCG Player now. In terms mm. of magic, I haven't had a lot of time to play, but I've been picking up cards for decks. So I finished off Azorius Familiars finally, nice. um, and Rakdos Burn and Pauper. Also, mm. I picked up a couple of cards for Quintorius as well, which will nice. arrive later this week. Otherwise, in my rare downtime, I have been catching up on Warhammer painting. It's something mm. I like doing when I have the time, but I'm trying to like force myself just to spend like half an hour, an hour a day, just painting or assembling models because I, gotcha, yeah. I find it quite cathartic. Um, There's just something about having a model like in its bare sort of form and then just having an end result and just painting it up. Um, For sure. I find it super rewarding either way.
0: I used to do it years ago and I loved it. I don't know why I stopped. It's expensive. Money, probably. It's
1: really expensive. (laughs) But now I've got like a huge pile of shame, as we call it, which is just a pile of sealed models that aren't incomplete. So I'm going to try and slowly get through those. Um, I'm not interested in really playing as such. I just really like the creative process. So I'm probably just going to kick back and just paint some stuff. How about you? What have you been up to?
0: Yeah I've been good. I've been up to a lot to be honest. Uh, This week in particular has actually been quite nice for me because first of all I got to meet my friend Ralph in person for the first time which was really lovely. We know each other as being part of the regular friend group and play group that we play commander with. Um, I know them through Twitter. They are up in Dublin this weekend cat sitting for one of my best friends Ian, not my boss. Which by the way I need to point out something. Ian I know you're listening. He had pointed out something about last week's episode. I had referred to him more than once. And on at least one occasion, I didn't say afterwards, not my boss. So now he canonically is claiming that he is my boss. And I would just like to, you know, roll that back and be like, no put a little asterisk in there still not my boss (laughs) Uh, but uh, but yes myself and ralph went for boba and we hung out there's a new community garden not too far away from me here and it was a lovely warm day it totally rocked it was great i also got to hang out with james from last week's episode Mm -hmm. and i got my new irish magic discord server playmat which looks beautiful Um, Special shout out to my great pal Dahi for designing it. They're a fantastic, phenomenal designer. Then from there, in Magic, the article this week is my own top 20 list of the best cantrips in all of Magic. It's bound to be controversial for some people. So feel free to check that out on Card Kingdom after the show and then argue with me on Twitter afterwards. (laughs) Then I went full throttle on deck building as well. I made three new decks for myself. I made Nasari, Dean of Expression, that's the back half of uh, Yuvilda. It is just Prismari sort of value, foretell, exile matter stuff. I made a Kami of the Crescent Moon deck just using cards that I owned, but I want to upgrade that into a proper group hug deck over time. And then I made, I put this on Twitter because it's bonkers. It is a five color charms, Twiddlestorm storm, mazes end deck helmed by Giganta. Uh, so, some yeah, words yeah. I didn't it's a, expect together. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's like it's like you know the way some some builds have like keyword soup where it's yes. like vigilance and trample and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, this is archetype soup. Uh, mm. <laughs> I also counted my commander decks and I now have twenty two. And yeah, for for the record, I actually started the pandemic with two. So I'm blaming COVID for yeah. the commander decks. And then this Tuesday, as we're recording it Sunday, when you hear this, it's going to be at least Wednesday if you're a patron or Thursday for everyone else. So it'll have already happened, but I'm going to see The Midnight in Vicker Street in Dublin here on Tuesday. And I cannot wait. They're one of my favourite bands. It's the first time going to a gig since before the pandemic. I'm going with one of my best friends, Tara. It is going to be a blast. I need nice. it. I really need it at this point. That was fun. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BM to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMCast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. All right, so, card of the week this week. We're not going to do a card of the week. More specifically, we're going to do like 10 of them, because we're having a card of the week week or card of the week special or what way do you want to call this card of the cards of the week
1: yeah cards of the week
0: week of the cards perhaps
1: week of the cards i like that Mm. and is it because we just haven't been together much so we're just accumulating all the cards of the week that we haven't done and just putting it into an episode instead
0: yeah absolutely yeah we're just like farming our own lack of contact between each other for the last uh, (laughs) month or two and just you know turning it into an episode yeah this is how content works folks (laughs)
1: yeah
0: So yeah, we we basically, we we have a ton of cards here that we have sort of saved for cards of the week for the last while. And well, some of them are really, really cool. And we just wanted to look at them because I know for a lot of the last few weeks in particular, we've been covering a lot of things that haven't been strictly budget magic because we want to be able to sort of branch out and like talk to other members of the community, particularly about like being inclusive, because that's ultimately what budget magic is about is being able to play magic a more accessible level and part of accessibility into games like this is to do with the community and inclusivity and stuff so that is part of it but we have also moved a little bit over the last while away from the more dedicated here's some budget content so we wanted to sort of catch back up on that and I'm actually going to start it off with my first card of the week in typical me form I'm just going to break the rules Uh, it's not one card it's several Uh, it's all dice rolling cards literally all of them Okay? Because, first of all, like I said, Commander Legends, Baldur's Gate is coming up. You are going to have dice rolling cards in there, for sure. There's no way you have a DD and d set again without any form of dice rolling. So, it's going to be much more prevalent in Commander going forward, I reckon. That's my hot take. There's stuff like the Endeavor cycle, like you've got Reckless Endeavor, Grave Endeavor, that kind of thing. You've got Dance Macabre, you've got like Nethery's Puzzle Ward. Bag of tricks, these are all like 10 cents by the way. So like now's a good time to pick these up if you think they might fit in your decks. One in particular that I would point out is Barbarian class because that gives you advantage on dice rolls and it is not currently very expensive. So I would definitely recommend picking that up ASAP if you think you will ever play Commander going forward because I'm not gonna say it's gonna be as ubiquitous as Treasures but like it's definitely going to be much more prevalent than it is now. I think, anyway.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think you're going to get like these casual commander players that are just going to have D and D dice rolling decks because they're mm. massively into D and D, and they're just like, you know what? I want I want a D and D themed commander deck because I really like D and D, and I kind of want to play Magic. You know what? I'm going to make it dice rolling. Yeah, that's going to be a thing with like collectors of D and D as well. So, at some point, they'll probably just go up because you know rolling dice it's sure. a variable thing isn't it? it's a chaotic thing which people quite like
0: yeah and and it allows for th- this is something that i mentioned a couple of times before in articles is it allows for wild moments to happen you know like if you're okay with like the base level like if you roll the lowest possible result and it's still okay then you should just put it in because the best results will happen on occasion and will feel so much better
1: people just want that yeah. nat 20 in commander yeah like they're doing dd right? so it feels great when it happens yeah, for sure so next up for me, there's one from Nuka mm. Penna that I wrote about this week and I didn't realise like how good it was. And that's an mm. offer you can't refuse. So it's a one mana oh, instant yeah. in blue. So you counter target non-creature spell, its creator creates two treasure tokens. It's a dollar seventy at the moment, which is quite a lot for an uncommon just for an for a set that's just came out. But I just yeah. kind of realized it was a budget take on Swan Song, which is like nearly $20 at the moment. Basically, while gifting two treasures may seem bad, you can counter artifacts and enchantments and planeswalkers, which is much more important compared yeah. to Swan Song. It's just a better trade off. I think the two treasures is fine, just given the amount that people could be making anyway. Yeah, yeah, like if you can't afford Swan Song, this is just a really good replacement or to play alongside it. It's still really good, it's a one mana.
0: yeah i would be shocked to not see this in particularly higher power commander going forward because like swan song you know giving a 2-2 with swan song is barely a trade-off at all giving them two treasures sure it might give them some extra benefit it might not be as low trade-off as swan song is but it's pretty close so yeah for sure now next again I had to break the rules, but only a little bit less this time, right? I've only got two cards listed as one (laughs) card technically, and you'll understand why. You'll understand why. So my two cards are known combo pieces within Commander. They are Rings of Brighthearth and Staff of Domination. Now, they are somewhere between $2.50 and $3.10, according to Scryfall. So what's important here, these used to be $25 cards, roughly. This is the Joy of Reprints, first of all. Fantastic to see. Now, price memory is a thing to a degree with some cards and I'm not going to say that they're going to go up much more. They might, but they might not. But even if you don't have a direct home for these right now, they're not going to get cheaper. Definitely not going to get cheaper, but they could stand to get more expensive. And I think it would be worth picking these up because the thing is, even if you don't want to use them as combo pieces, they are excellent commander cards for decks that have like a lot of activated abilities and that kind of thing. So you can get great value out of them regardless. So I would definitely recommend getting them. If you play commander, these should probably just be in your repertoire of cards, you know.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of um, Stronic Resonator as well, which was once a really expensive card that Same recently thing. saw a reprint in the Commander set as well. So these kind of just value artifacts are just all getting reprinted, which is awesome. Hopefully there'll be more in Commander yeah. Legends too as well. Because, you know, yeah. you see the scroll rack. I know scroll rack's still fairly expensive, oh. but it's it's a lot more affordable than it used to be.
0: I would love to get a scroll rack, but there's no way I'm paying that money for it.
1: They're, they're yeah. quite a bit. Next up for me is a card that you quite like, Scott, and I imagine it goes in Lelia, or could do, and that's Unlucky Witness. So it is a mm. creature human citizen that is a 1-1 one, one for one red mana. When Unlucky Witness dies, exile the top two cards of your library. Until your next end step, you may play one of those cards. So it just joins the group of like Fraven Inspector and, and Voldarian and Epicure, these really cool value one-drop creatures uh, in Constructed yeah. especially it's excellent sacrifice fodder for like constructor and commander since you can just play one of those cards when when it dies notice it says play so you can play lands off it which is really good yeah. as I said earlier it's really good in Lelia, Blazerish Forge and Prosper Tonebound decks because Red's getting a lot of exile matter cards for like card draw and value which is really cool mm-hmm. I imagine there's ways to repeat that effect to bring it back and keep sacking and keep playing cards it's just a mm-hmm. really cool card I don't know where it's going to fit in like pioneer or modern but I feel like a sack deck is probably a good place for it but it's just really sweet yeah i just love the value for one mana
0: for sure yeah i wouldn't be surprised if like the red black and vali kind of decks maybe had them because you could sacrifice this You get a card off of it that kind of thing because it was using like voldar and epicure and everything for a while so maybe it uses instead or alongside but also
1: 15 cents
0: yeah like what's the worst that's going to happen it gets cheaper and you've lost what five cents it's fine it's just a really cool
1: effect on a one mana card you don't see it that cheap as in like the mana value and the cost so it's just something to keep an eye on
0: for sure yeah speaking of one to keep an eye out on and i don't think we have seen the best of what this can do just yet But this card, Ruthless Technomancer. This came from Neon Dynasty. It is a four mana human wizard, three and a black, for a two four. And when Ruthless Technomancer enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature you control. If you do, you create a number of treasure tokens equal to that creature's power, and then you pay two and a black and sacrifice X artifacts to return target creature card with power X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And X can't be zero. So, this is just a great treasure generator you could do stuff like in my Armixon dargo deck i use this for example where i sacrifice dargo and i get seven treasures mm. and dargo surprise surprise does not cost another seven to cast it costs significantly less you can use it for repeatable reanimation you could sacrifice artifacts for value like um like acre wellsprings and that kind of thing and bring back creatures that are just other value creatures you can use it as a sacrifice outlet there are a number of different ways that you can use this and i am certain that there are loops that you can do with it but i'm not quite galaxy brain enough to just work them out but i know they're there if that makes sense so it's one i would recommend it's $2.70 at the moment so it's a little on the pricier side but i don't see how this would get much cheaper you know like if you see one of these and you have a have a couple of quid in your pocket and you're like "Mm, maybe it's probably worth getting. You know? It Feels
1: like the kind of card that just needs another card just to be like, wait, this is busted. Like it, it mm. promotes a combo of some kind. So just getting like a couple just to forget about seems pretty cool here. It seems a pretty good yeah, idea. Yeah. And yeah. uh, next up is is a modern playable one. I'm going to move away from commander for this one. And uh, this is Manamorphose. Mm-hmm. So if you're not familiar oh, yeah. what what the card does, uh, it's an instant that is one generic and hybrid red green mana. You can add two mana of any combination of colors and you draw a card. So this came up while I was writing the Modern on a Budget for Mono Red prowess last week. And just whipping up lists and I was like, you know, can I put Morphos in the super budget list? And the answer was yes, because it's like a 2 to $3 card now. Before it was about an 8 to $10 card because it saw a lot of play. It was printed in a set that wasn't opened anymore. But mm. since Double Masters, it's got a healthy amount of like influx. So it's quite affordable now. So for those that Mm. don't really know why Manamorphose is so good, it's because it's really good in prowess style decks because essentially it's a free spell because you get to Mm -hmm. fix your mana, you get to play more spells off it, and you get to draw a card. It just allows you to chain off a bunch of spells, such as In Storm, as you would know, Scott. It's a really big role player there. It's just a great card, and getting like $10 to $12 for a set just seems really good because you're not going to see that effect again at two mana ever again I think and it's going to see playing modern again mm-hmm. at
0: some point so it's just going to go up yeah I'm going to go ahead and make a statement on metamorphose they are never printing a card like this ever again yeah it's very mm-hmm. unlikely it is just it's not that it has caused so many problems because in my opinion it hasn't really caused many problems it has enabled things absolutely but it's just it's absurd it effectively reads as zero mana cantrip essentially I might have cast more Manamorphose than nearly any other spell in existence right now at this point but I remember I bought my first playset of Man of for, I think it was $15 each.
1: Yeah, they were really expensive. So, I, I think they were in like Lorwyn or that sort of era of hmm. magic, Shadowmoor, Lorwyn yeah. era, which was quite a long time ago. I just remember picking up a full playset on um, Double Masters release and paying like £20 for the set, which I, yeah. I felt really good about at the time. But yeah, if you're looking to get into modern and you want to play some spell heavy red decks, just picking up a set of Man of is a pretty good way to go
0: yeah absolutely the next card that i have on my list here is surprise surprise a storm enabler (laughs) to go with that manamorphose exactly yeah this is one card that if you manamorphose with this out oh oh it's just just beautiful so the card i'm talking about now is song of creation right it is one green blue red for an enchantment and it's from Akoria. it says you may play an additional land on each of your turns Whenever you cast a spell, draw two cards, but at the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. So, discarding the hand is the part that people look at and go, oh, that's terrible though. Like, you really don't want to do that. But if you set this up rightly, you can probably win before you get to your end step, so it's fine. You know, this is like the, I'm going to try and win the game now kind of card. Now, you can play this as like a value card as well you know like one thing that you had actually mentioned in your monorail prowess article from this week about using like underworld breach as like a value piece to like just get the last bit of reach and that kind of thing out this can be used in a very similar kind of way in commander because if you have again you're probably if you've deck built correctly and if you're listening to this podcast you probably are a great deck builder so you know (laughs) you probably have some enchantment removal and if you have this and a piece of enchantment removal in your hand you can very easily plop this down, cast a couple of spells, draw like eight cards and then just blow it up. Yeah. That's really, really good. You can just draw a ton of cards. It might cost a bit of mana, but like it is a way to do it if you find that you're not able to sort of storm off or anything like that. So it is worth considering. I have this in Giganta as one of my like ways to storm off and keep the gas flowing and it is good. Let me tell you. The deck is bad, but this card is great.
1: (laughs) A really good card to go with that Song of Creation, funnily enough, is uh, D-Glamour, which is Ooh, yeah. a t- 2 manner instant. So for generic and a green, you get an instant. You choose target artifact or enchantment. Its owner shuffles it into his and her library. This is a cheap, effective way just to remove a tricky artifact or enchantment in commander. It also stops recursion because you're shuffling it back into their deck, so they can't get it back unless they draw it. Yeah. In Pauper, it's like a soft plow under as well, just given how prevalent the indestructible artifact lands are. So you can just use this to tuck it away, which I think is pretty sweet. You do yeah. have Unravel the Aether, which is a similar effect in green. I think that's an uncommon from like Theros block. But no, just I really like these sort of two mana removal effects that just pop it back into the library. I think it's quite underrated in like Constructed and Commander because it forces you to shuffle yeah. as well, so it can really stifle some like top deck. So that if you've like scryed to the top, for example.
0: Yeah, this is the kind of effect that you would run in Commander if anyone at your table runs any of like the Theros Gods, for example. Yeah. Because they are notoriously impossible to deal with. Like they're so hard. Like someone drops a Perforos, and everyone's like, "Oh, cool, we're dead," because no one can remove this. Yeah this is how you do it
1: and plus it's like 30 cents so
0: yeah this is another one of those cards that i think should just be in like everybody's repertoire when it comes to commander in particular Popper two now the next one i have is i think it's flying under the radar at the moment because it doesn't play like an 80 cents card right and that is battle mage's bracers two in a red for an artifact equipment equipped creature has haste first of all and it says whenever an ability of an equipped creature is activated if it isn't the mana ability you may pay one if you do you copy that ability and you may choose new targets for the copy and it has equipped two so this is basically just another rings of Brightheart or illusionist bracers in the right deck the fact that it also grants haste i think is enormous because a lot of these creatures that you're equipping this to will have activated abilities. You think of like Felden of the Third Path or Svela Ice Shaper or the deck that it came in, the Lorehold Precon with Osgir the Reconstructor. These are the kind of commanders that will absolutely love Svela in particular because her activated ability is eight and that's enormous. You can double it up by paying nine instead of eight, which is really, really good. And haste, like I said, means that you can activate them immediately as well. So Highly, highly recommend picking this up. Now, I know it doesn't show in as many decks as it could if it was colourless, but it is still exceptionally powerful, I think.
1: So next up is a really interesting enchantment from M11, so Dark Tutelage. So for two generic and a black, at the beginning of your upkeep, you reveal the top card of your library and you put that card into your hand and you lose life equal to its uh, mana value. Just think of this as like a Dark Confidant effect in a commander especially since you're at 40 life mm-hmm. you can afford to pay the cost when you reveal the card the downside rarely seems bad because you're in a color that gains lots of life especially if you play like great merchants of Asphodels and things like that
0: mm.
1: it's just tougher to remove as well because obviously dark Confidence creature this is an enchantment and yeah. you can probably sacrifice this at some point if your life is too low because you're in black um, i just think it's a really cool effect for like 50 cents that just gives you that extra card draw especially early on because you yeah. can play it like earlier as turn two
0: for sure yeah yeah it's a good one all right so yeah there were some good cards i gotta say i know we like it, it kind of felt like near the start we like leaned very like combo heavy but uh yeah. we, we rounded it out at the end it was good it was nice to get back to some sort of just talking budget cards just some good yeah, cheap cards you know Talk shop. it ain't much but it's honest work yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. so to round things out i have we got some q and a
1: yeah, we've got a handful of questions this week. So we'll start off with uh, the we Joe can- Cheney from the BMCast Discord. Uh, they ask, would you please share your favourite and least favourite sets currently in Standard? And how do you determine which one is your favourite?
0: Okay, I have to actually remember what's in Standard. So I'm going to go to what's Smart.
1: Great
0: site. So my favourite one's Kamigawa by quite a lot, followed by Strixhaven. Yeah, then for me, the the middle of the road is kind of like... Zendikar rising and D, like they're all just like they're good you know they're solid uh i did not like midnight hunt crimson vow or no. streets of new capanna basically at all which you know might come as a shock because i didn't really say anything and that's because i let people like things you know if you just don't like something just don't say it it's fine yeah you i know?
1: wasn't particularly keen on midnight hunt either or crimson vow because no. i just don't think it should have been two sets yeah, I'm not a big Innistrad person anyway, and the fact that they gave it two sets, I'm just like, Ugh. and it just the set didn't excite me anyway. There wasn't any mechanics or cards that was just like mm. excited me. I think Voldar and Epicure was the only one that saw some play, you know, for me because it's proper yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, sorry, I tell a lie. I tell a lie. I did make one comment online uh, once about. Uh, the innistrad sets mm. and that was that i didn't like that it was like folk horror kind of thing because it just seems like
1: pumpkin spice it just seems horror. it's a
0: yeah it's just a bit weird not like spooky you know what i mean Yeah. and i like i joined the game not long after like shadows of renistrad and stuff and i had played with those cards in standard mm-hmm. and i kind of liked the body horror kind of thing it was like much cooler and like that was kind of like oh it's real gnarly like this is really cool this is the kind of game i want to be playing and then you know coming back to it and i'm like oh they're going to do more like oh it's people wearing flurry headdresses and
1: mm." it's midsummer yeah it's hard to translate in cards i think
0: yeah it doesn't do it for me it did not feel in any way spooky at all and it felt very much like you know like the werewolves and stuff were very much just like we're here, we're wolves, and we're here to be angry. And it's like you're not really that spooky. And then like the vampires were all just like exceptionally posh goths, yeah. and it's like you're not scary either. Like and then spirits were like, me, hey, you know.
1: we exist. Yeah. It's just I don't know, it didn't. It didn't feel. It didn't feel great to me either. Yeah. Um, I
0: know a lot of people liked it, and that's why I haven't really said anything about it up until this point. But Joe, you made us say it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think my favorite standard set at the moment. I think Neon Dynasty is up there, and I think D&D as well, just purely because it's a D&D set, not for mm. the cards in what they do. I just really like the set in, you know, the flavor yeah. and whatnot. Next up, we have a question from Mickey. Uh, they ask, which cards or themes do you not enjoy seeing played against you in Commander? On another note, if you drink tea or coffee, which ones do you enjoy more often? Okay. Definitely a coffee drinker out of the two.
0: I want to be more of a coffee drinker. Generally speaking, uh, it does not agree with me very well. I tend to get a bit of reflux and stuff when I drink too much coffee, which is not great, especially considering I love it so much. But I do use going for coffee as an excuse to meet up with friends and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll go and get usually, what's my usual order? Like a flat white with oat milk. That's nice. usually what I would go for.
1: It's not latte is my little cutie?
0: Yeah as for cards and themes I don't enjoy seeing played against me in commander I think the number one card I do not ever want to see and will almost always concede to is aura shards whenever a creature enters the battlefield destroy target artifact or enchantment get out I'm sorry no get out like if you want to make it in such a way that everyone else just doesn't get to have fun at the table that's how you do it like, I would sooner play against the stacks deck than Aura Shards. Yeah, I'm, any not, day of the week. I'm
1: not big on stacks decks, and I'm not big on like the fees auction style cards either.
0: That's fair. They're just that not fair.
1: fun at all. And it just causes more issues than it should do, right? For the effect, because the effects, mm. like the end game is not good, right? It, it just makes things more complicated, which doesn't really help yeah. navigate the game of Commander effectively.
0: True, true. I have started to like quote unquote to a certain degree playing against stuff like stacks decks and stuff because i'm doing it with my regular play group where we are now building like higher power decks like we're going as strong as humanly possible under say like a hundred dollar budget or whatever and like i have a bergie storm deck and if someone plays like a stacks deck against that i'm totally fine with it because i'm like i need to navigate through this in right. order to get the win so it feels like a puzzle within itself whereas like if that deck was left unrestricted I'll probably just storm off and turn three or four anyway so it doesn't matter so the fun part to me is to like try and work through it now which uh-huh. is cool because like we're all of the it, we're all on the same level when we're talking about this like someone playing the stacks deck knows that it's a really really strong kind of prison deck yeah. and the rest of us are aware of it and part of the fun is to circumvent it which is cool mm. you know so i don't actually mind that too much anymore but like if i was to pull up with like my changeling tribal deck or something and someone was to drop a stacks deck i'd be like what are you doing get out of the pod like yeah the
1: the communication needs to happen which sometimes doesn't so you get in these unfortunate situations um and then lastly we have a question i I do
0: have i do have one other thing that i need to add as well because uh i i was reminded of it recently and that is Ghost Forge can eat my whole ass i absolutely hate that guy so much Uh,
1: i hate him so much every
0: no no no, it's it's fine as like as like in the 99 but as a commander oh my god it is so egregious it like basically what happens is you board wipe and it's as if nothing happened if anything they just end up better off then they have like these other sneak attack things going on and like they just have every angle covered Mm. and it's really awkward because it's not one that people play against a whole lot so they don't really fully understand the level at which Hoffrey can be ridiculous this is assuming it's it's built like relatively tuned you know which it has been every time I've played against it and if the whole table is not working to contain them they will win they just will win you know that's in my experience you know now I've only played like four games against them but every single game it has been that way people have ignored them for like a turn and we were all borked every single time Sorry, just have strong right. feelings about Hoffreed that no, are not that's good. <laughs> <laughs> this is a place to talk.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have one more question from Ev the Mage. Uh, they ask: Outside of budget restrictions, what's your favorite restriction when brewing commander decks? So, like, think of themes, archetypes, or colors.
0: So, what I love to do is I love to find there's a couple of things to do first of all i love to find commanders that don't see a whole lot of play and try and find something unique and cool about them that's how i ended up with my lelia deck It's how i ended up with my octavia deck how i ended up with a bunch of decks to be honest actually it's how i ended up with my armix and tormod self-discard artifacts themed deck because there were zero decks registered under edh rec for them so i was like well i'm going to be the first yeah and that's how that happened and another thing i like to do is take an archetype And try and do it in colors where it's not typical. So like, for example, I have like S.U.R. and Arden is a Voltron deck in blue-white, which is not what you'd normally expect. Normally you'd be like, oh, it'd be Boros or something like that. Or, you know, there's um, technically my Kosei deck, while it is a Voltron deck, is also sort of a burn deck because it deals so much damage to the rest of the table while it's also dealing damage to whoever you're attacking. And that kind of thing. I like sort of circumventing what is a typical expectation for an archetype and changing it around. That's what leads to the more interesting decks in, in my opinion, at least, anyway.
1: Well, I think for me, I know I'm a bit boring so I don't really build many commander decks. It's just stick to like one colour and just see how far I can take it. Obviously in like mono white, that, that used to be quite difficult. I think it's much easier now, just given the power of mm. white cards that are getting printed in the last few sets. Sometimes looking at like Selesnia decks and Boris decks traditionally have always been a little tricky just because the colours don't really like, line up. Mm-hmm. That's my experience traditionally. I don't probably it's not the same now because they're really trying to push design and power level of non-blue and black cards a little more than normal.
0: Yeah. So what you're saying is white's fixed.
1: Oh, I'd say it's close to <laughs> it. I mean, I'm not the one that looks at the lens of the format, but I'm seeing these white cards that are, even there's one in like the new Capenna Commander, Commander deck that's like thirty dollars because it makes like treasures or something in white oh, in the Esper yeah. deck. Um sorry, the um, Obscura deck. My bad. But you
0: know yeah it kind of sucks that like every time there's a new white card and the price shoots up on it because it's a half decent card Mm. it's like this is the tithe i must pay for playing white you know yeah
1: i see what you did there mana tithe we can end there
0: Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Chewing Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Birchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilbore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Minnie Maya, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, and Tim Newman. And at the Songs tier, we have A Nice Planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee Everett. Brogan, Nerblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMCast. If you have any questions, comments or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or simply message us on Twitter at the BMCast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.